When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to the Kennedy Dynasty Podcast. I'm your host, Allison, and today is a special episode that I'm very excited about, a new little series of episodes that will be occasionally happening, and it's going to be fun. But let's get started with the In the News segment first. Big news story of the past seven days. The New York Times published an article about William Vandal Hoovel, which was a public-minded lawyer and former diplomat who was an advisor to Robert F. Kennedy and an advocate of improving conditions for inmates in New York City jails. And he died on Tuesday at his home in Manhattan at the age of 91. He was a really interesting guy. According to the Times, Mr. Vanden Heuvel was associated with Kennedy through much of the 1960s, serving as a special assistant when Kennedy was United States Attorney General and advising his campaigns for the Senate and the presidency. In the Justice Department from 1962 to 1964, Mr. Van Heuvel was active in the civil rights struggle that would define Kennedy's tenure as the nation's highest-ranking law enforcement official. Assigned to Prince Edward County, Virginia, he helped negotiate the creation of a free school system open to black students after the county had shut its public schools rather than allow them to be integrated, as required by the Supreme Court ruling in Brown v. Board of Education in 1954. Admiring his effectiveness in Prince Edward County, Kennedy often turned to Mr. Vanden Heuvel for strategic advice and support in his successful 1964 campaign for a seat in the United States Senate from New York. Kennedy's always liked to have things, difficult things, done through intermediaries, especially when it came to personal relationships and politics, said Milton Gortzman, a former close advisor to the Kennedy family. When he was senator, he was always asking Vanden Heuvel to make certain calls for him that he didn't want to make for himself. He and Mr. Vanden Heuvel were co-authors of the political biography on his own, Robert F. Kennedy, 1964 to 1968, which was published in 1970. Mr. Vanden Heuvel was also among the trusted advisors who helped Kennedy plan his presidential campaign in 1968. Kennedy's meetings with his inner circle were often held in Mr. Vanden Heuvel's Manhattan apartment. That was all from the New York Times article. So feel free to look it up and read the rest of it if you are interested. Next up is the Q&A. Therefore, in answer to your question... I thought this was a good question. Would JFK had a chance at presidency if his brother Joe was alive and became president? So as most of us know, Joseph Sr. obviously had big political ambitions for his oldest son, which was Joseph Jr., and he did pass away in combat. So that obviously made that torch pass on to JFK. So that's what I always believed and we all believe. But then I was listening to the Schlesinger tapes with Jackie, and she mentions that she didn't like that speculation, that in reality, JFK was much more charismatic than Joe Jr. was from what she had heard because she never did have the opportunity to meet him. But she kind of stated in the tapes that there was no doubt that JFK would have been the front runner for the presidency in the Kennedy family. So I have conflicting thoughts about it, but that's what I have heard. Another question, will you ever do an episode on Evelyn Lincoln? And absolutely I will. I find her really interesting because you think about, I mean, she's kind of like this, you know, elderly woman who looks really soft and gentle and 
personable and you see your pictures with the kids and giving them candy and all these things. But then you also know that Evelyn Lincoln was hiding a lot of the president's secrets, as in a lot of the affair scandals, a lot of those things. She would be, from what I've read, one of the people that would correspond back and forth to set up things with mistresses and stuff like that. So it seems like she would be a very interesting person to do an episode on, and that will definitely happen in the future. Let's move on to our inspiring clip of the week. One of the inspiring notes. This week is a little snippet from Maria Shriver. How do you reconcile fighting for something and still being centered and peaceful? How, what, what advice? Well, I, I look at my parents, both whom got up every single day until the day they died and fought for something and used their anger really to push the needle. So my, and they both went to church every single day. They both prayed. They both had that kind of silence in the morning and that was part of their routine. And then they got to the office and all hell broke loose. So <laughs> I think, um, but it was never, you know, I think, I think under anger very often and rage is fear. Mm-hmm. And I think uh, using your anger um, to change the world, like I'm angry that we haven't found a cure for Alzheimer's. I'm angry that researchers haven't focused on women. And so that gets me up and it gets me focused on trying to change that. But also, it's very important to me to have quiet in the morning, to have a form of meditation, and to try to direct myself from a place of calm and strength and not, you know, unbridled anger. So is that your daily practice, is that you have a morning uh, Absolutely. I have a morning prayer of gratitude while I'm still in my bed. And when my feet hit the floor, I'm also very conscious that I'm blessed to actually open my eyes and have my feet hit the floor Mm -hmm. um, because a lot of people don't. And people younger than me don't. Okay, fun announcement. I have decided to start a new occasional type of episode. So you guys are always asking for my book recommendations. As a listener of this podcast, you're probably also an avid reader. We all care about history and learning. So I have decided to start an occasional author spotlight episode where I will speak with an author of a Kennedy-related book. So these will be trickling into my normal episodes occasionally. It is a, a most fascinating story. And I must say, it's a beautiful book. Today's Author Spotlight interview is with Alexander Carver. He's an author, screenwriter, and playwright, and has written a fantastic book titled Oh Jackie, one I think you all definitely need to check out. Oh Jackie is a story about the internal and external chaos created when an artist with both a Superman and an inferiority complex chooses to be the self he wishes he was instead of the self he truly is. With strong Kennedy ties at the story's core, it is so very entertaining and the perfect summer read. So without further ado, here is my interview with Alexander Carver. Harper. Thank you so much for being here with me today. Well, thank you for having me. I'm so excited. Great. It sounds like we're both uh, both Kennedy junkies, so uh, we should be I we should get so. along famously. I, I, I love it. When I find another, it's like, <laughs> wow, we have a brotherhood. We found yeah. another person that cares about the Kennedys still. It's fantastic. <laughs> That's right. So let's start yeah. out. You just tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do. Okay. I've been a writer for, I guess, over 20 years. And I write everything from uh, from novels, Oh Jackie, to screenplays, short stories, songs. My wife's a singer, so I, I figured I'd start writing her some songs, poems. I kind of I kind of hit it all. I'm like the uh, try to be like the Jesse Owens of uh, of writers. You That's know. fantastic. <laughs> you can do it all. Yeah. Well, I, yeah, I tried to, you know, sort of dabble in all different kinds of things. And I think novel writing and short story writing, prose, appeal to me kind of the most. It's a little bit 
more freeing than the you know rigidity of like screenplay writing and you know and but I write plays too so I, I you know I've I've sort of gotten interested in all kinds of facets of writing but uh, Oh Jackie was my first novel and so I just I just actually had uh, a lot of fun with that and people were into it so my wife was like hey I think this is this is your you know maybe your best medium for writing so you should you know stick with it so then I wrote. I just finished writing Oh Hemingway, and so uh, and and the books are are based on a, a writer who basically gets obsessed like I do with historical characters, and he himself, the writer whose name is uh, Andrew Brewster Crawford, nicknamed ABC, he literally transforms himself into his protagonist in order to write stories that he's writing about them better, whether it be a play like in Oh Jackie or a screenplay like in O. Hemingway. And he just sort of becomes these people for a while. He, you know, grows the beard as Hemingway or uh wears the the uh sailing ready nautical, you know, digs as as JFK and and uh he feels like he can he can write the stories if he lives the experiences and the actual happenings in the stories in reality almost like in a Hunter S. Thompson kind of way where he needs to experience what they experience first. So that's sort of how I arrived here at this book and this place in my life. A lot of these uh, stories I write are stories within a story. And uh, I feel like that's sort of the, the niche I'm, I'm trying to carve out for myself. That's awesome. It's That's such a brilliant concept that's very untapped. <laughs> I had never <laughs> yeah. heard of a plot or anything quite like your book. And it sounds like you've tied together kind of where you were telling me everything that you have a background in writing. You tied those together really brilliantly for this book to kind of work on in the theater and all those kinds of things that you had had experience in. So that's really neat. Yeah, I, I went to school, uh, Dickinson College in Pennsylvania, a, a small liberal arts school. I went there as a dramatic arts major and sort of learned all the elements of the theater and, and dramatic storytelling as an actor and a director. And, and it really had a nice a base for me moving forward and coming out to LA and, and then just learning the craft of writing, starting out as an actor kind of on the inside of a story and then understanding what it's like to play different characters. And I think that really helped me with writing those characters to actually have played them. So yeah, it's been a, it's been a long haul, but I feel like over time I've kind of you know, thanks to experience and doing all these things for so many years, uh, getting up every day and doing the, you know, the six hours of writing or whatever I do. It just, it, I feel like I've developed from, from different areas of my writing. Absolutely. Yeah, it's, That's awesome. And in that vein, the fact that you're going on with Hemingway, I mean, your, your possibilities are endless there. They really are. I mean, you can keep on going with this series forever. I love that. Oh yeah. It's, it's great. This, this next book called O Hemingway, the, the character goes to Paris he walks down the same cobblestone sidewalks as Hemingway. He's made him. He's turned himself into him. He's even heightened himself with heels and lifts to be huge and big. And he's, he has worked out to be a strong boxer type like Hemingway was, pugilistic. He he literally goes to the same bars. The great thing about going to Paris, you know, it's the same place it was in the 1920s, the roaring okay. 1920s, as it is now in the roaring 2020s. So. That really helped writing this next novel to be able to to go to the same bars, the uh, Clostery de Lilas, where he did all his writing and have my character doing all his writing at that 
you know, that place and that wonderful cafe. And yeah, I think it's about a writer's obsession with writing, but also obsession with a character like Hemingway who romanticized writing, you know, completely out of proportion, which is what I love so much about him. He just, he made writing, getting up in the morning and having your cafe latte and sharpening your pencil and writing in your notebook about the things that have happened to you so romantic and it made my life as a writer much more romantic having read movable feast i think was the first book i ever read and it's a real tour de force in what it's like to be a writer in a romantic environment like paris so yeah yeah, i just finished it and it was it's funny because i worked because of the pandemic i worked a lot harder and without distraction because we i couldn't go out to cafes Mm -hmm. you know kind of socialize and hobnob with people so I was, you know, I, we were here at our, our place and, you know, just nose to the grindstone writing. And so I think I actually ended up finishing the book uh, a lot sooner than I would have uh, during a non-pandemic time. So Yeah, for um, sure. Those crazy times, it really is. It's crazy, crazy. what it does for oh productivity and what it doesn't yeah. do. In my case, I was like, wait, what do I do after day 53 of doing the same thing over and over? <laughs> it's like you wake up in the same day every day. <laughs> oh, it's, it's crazy. It's just so nice to be released out of captivity yes. back into the world. Isn't it great? It's um, fantastic. And it's honestly made me appreciate my times with my friends and my family and stuff so much that they're like, wow, we're in person. I can see your face. This is great. Me, me too. I totally agree. I I appreciate people so much more than I did, you know, pre, what was it? March, March, 2020 or whatever Mm -hmm. it was. So I wanted to ask you, have you had some kind of longstanding curiosity about the Kennedys or studied the Kennedys, or did that just come from studying for your book or how did, how did that happen? Has this been a long-term thing or no? That is a great question. I, the original love or bond, I think with the Kennedys began because I've been going to Cape Cod Massachusetts since I was three years old. Every summer, never missed a summer. Uh, my parents had taken us there. I guess an aunt lived in Boston, and so they they went up to check it out years and years ago. And we went up there, and I knew the Kennedys were up there. We stayed in Brewster, which is funny because the character in this book is Andrew Brewster Crawford. That lets you know how much I love <laughs> uh, the town of Brewster in, in Cape Cod. And the Kennedys lived in Hyannisport. And I would, as uh, a kid, go and try to sneak my way onto the beach in front of the Kennedy compound, you know, hoping to see some of the Kennedys. Were you ever successful? And, uh, I was. I was. I found the route to go sort of behind the jetty, and, you know, the little area there. And, and I, I wrote the that. opening <laughs> monologue of the play that o- Jackie's based on uh, that November day. I wrote the opening monologue on the Nantucket Sound in front of the Kennedy compound on wow, the beach. Wow, what a story. Yeah. Isn't that cool? Isn't that yes. cool? Yes. Yeah, it's a real, it's a monster of a complex. You just can't believe it uh, when you see it. House after house, these beautiful, you know, white houses with with uh, wraparound porches and 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 grassy lawns where they used to play, you know, Bobby and Jack, and uh, used to play football on the lawn, and you know, just to be in that area and see it in person is really magnificent, and it's still thriving these days with with the Kennedys. They're obviously still there in the summer. Mm-hmm. I'm going there in late August, so I might try to swing by (laughs) but uh, yeah i want to go back i went once when was that even it had to be 
summer of 2019, somewhere in there. I don't know. Oh, sure. But I was not bold enough to try to sneak on. I was scared. I I, I went and I was like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. I was with my husband there. And then I was like, nope, nope, (laughs) back up. So we ended up going (laughs) to a beach a little across the way. And we're so creepy with binoculars trying to look at the houses. Oh, that's great. Do you know what we did? I'm still so mad at myself. We flew home. It was July. We flew home July 3rd and July 4th. They were all there at the parade ethel on the golf cart going around the town and we <laughs> left the day before Man, oh, oh wow That's, i was not yep. fun on july 4th because i was so mad that we weren't there you're literally there where all those wonderful pictures were taken of you know jackie with the kids and the sailboats and all of it and you just you kind of can't believe they were all once on that on that beach and hanging out at that gorgeous house. What a life. I mean, yeah, and so surreal for to these see. people. After you've, at least I've watched so many clips and read and all the things, just seeing that in person would be such a surreal experience. Even when I went to the library, seeing some of the things that I had seen in pictures and stuff, it just doesn't do it justice when it's tangible in front of you, you know? So in, in front of you. Yeah, yeah. It's so strange, but that's, that's awesome. I love it. Well, I need everyone that is listening to this podcast to buy this book because it's great and it's so entertaining and it's an incredible concept. So I will put in the description where you can buy the book on Amazon. I'm also going to put the publisher's website and I'm going to link Alexander's Instagram. But is there anywhere else you'd like anybody to find you or are those the main places? Well, you can also find me at alexandercarverwriter.com. That's another one. And then my uh, Alexander Carver Facebook too. But but those other Instagrams definitely great. And what you said were perfect. Perfect. Well, thank you so much for joining me and talking to me. And I'm so excited. Hey, guys, if you buy this book and you start to read it, tag me and Alexander in Instagram stories because I want to see. And I'm sure he does, too. Absolutely. I would love it. Thank you very much. That's all for today. Thanks for listening, and I hope you guys enjoyed the episode. Make sure you're subscribed because next week's episode is going to be one that I promise you guys you do not want to miss, and I can't wait for you to hear it. Make sure you're following me on Instagram at Kennedy Dynasty to see announcements for that next episode and giveaways I'm about to drop. Also, check out the links in the description of this episode for my merch shop and my Amazon recommendations, and I will talk to you guys next week. Come on and vote for Kennedy. This is Peter. And this is Tom. We want to tell you guys a little bit about our podcast. Tom and I met in college, became best friends, and then teachers almost 20 years ago. Sometimes school just does not allow us to elaborate on the topics that we find interesting, like the real shark attacks that inspired the movie Jaws, or the real historical context to Indiana Jones artifacts. Where does cereal come from? Or are zombies real? Does Ben Franklin really deserve to be on a $100 bill? On our podcast, just like in our class, there are no stupid questions. Just two friends having a lighthearted conversation about history, pop culture, and the context of current events. Listen to History Teachers Talking Podcast from Evergreen Network, anywhere you get your podcasts.